she got realized see we're really deep in in darkness man has reached perhaps the lowest state of degradation and these people are, are not what you would think of as criminal types i mean they don't seem to be very angry people i suffered so bad i was really struggling to survive It's cold. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm good to go. <clears throat> good deal. Sorry. Welcome back to Drop Dead Gorgeous, summer series, episode number five. We have Lena Freeman as our special guest today. Hello. What's your full name, Lena? I'm not telling you. <laughs> <laughs> I know it. <laughs> you know it? I know it. She does. Oh. Oh man, I should have just said, wouldn't you like to know a weather boy? <laughs> Ow. I'm pretty sure there's a piece of metal in this uh, ear thing that keeps poking me in the ear hole. That's not pleasant. In the ear hole. Good. I keep finding metal shavings everywhere from work. Just well, one second, because I gotta. Do you keep shaving metal? Oh. Yeah. Oh, like actually? Yeah, actually. <laughs> I actually have been drilling holes in metal plates for two weeks. And oh my god. Yeah. How, how's that been going? It's fine. Uh, I smell like gas today, if anybody's wondering, because I... <laughs> Dumb, you're wondering. <laughs> uh, because gas is a lot cheaper than paint thinner, so we just... You have to wipe everything off before you paint it. So we use gas, usually. And gas smell lingers oh, in yeah. skin. Oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, I have an announcement. Okay. Hit me with it. On July 18th, possibly July 11th, but this is coming out after July 11th, I'm going to be doing stand-up. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. At 8 p.m. at Totally Awesome Bar in Savannah. I already signed up. So fancy yeah we'll see if i cancel or not <laughs> you could also try and go to joe's underground in augusta i guess i could but i'd also have to go to augusta for that <laughs> yeah I, I augusta's a like, trash town that's why it's called disgusta <laughs> are you from augusta yes oh sorry <laughs> and then there's methingham yeah and what are some other ones I don't know. I can't think. Uh, I just know some nicknames for the high schools in my county. Oh. What high school did you go to? I went to Lakeside. What was your lunch number? <laughs> I can't tell you that. Do you remember your lunch number? <laughs> I do. I still use my lunch number for stuff in my usernames. Yeah, I use my <laughs> lunch number as in like my passwords sometimes, so I'm not going to tell you my <laughs> lunch number. <laughs> it ends in a nine. So does mine. Wow, we have something in common. I can literally, like, you know, when you used to be checking out to get school lunch, you wouldn't even have to look. You'd just be like, oh, yeah. You could just, you just knew it. You yeah. knew it that well. I could punch in my lunch number. My eyes closed. Behind my back. Upside down. Upside down. <laughs> I 
did not have a lunch number. What? Did you just not get lunch? It was on our, like, we scanned our ID. Wow, look at you being fancy. We didn't have IDs. That's fancy. We did, but they didn't do anything. (laughs) I don't even know why we had them. They, like, gave us, they were like, you need to keep these on you at all times. I'm like, okay. And four years went by, and I got a new one each year, and they never did anything. Wow. Yeah, like, they never asked for my ID or anything. Senior year, they gave us school emails, but nobody ever told us what the passwords were. Yeah same do you you had yeah it was gmail because like the at least in our county gmail there was like a school thing or somehow i don't know if google gave them money or whatever but everybody started using gmail instead of the at bullock schools email so that was crazy i wonder if i tried to log into that email what i get um nothing because i tried to do it and it was deactivated oh probably deactivated it after we graduated yeah the um was it actually at gmail or was it at bullet dot i really don't remember because my mom's goes through gmail but it's well i guess it's kind of like how you know like ours our school emails go at through georgia southern yeah yeah go through gmail but it's at georgiasouthern.edu not gmail.com at ogg tech they go through outlook and not that's like my personal email. I go through Outlook. Yeah, that's what they did at SCAD. And I could I never remembered my password anytime I logged in. And I can't even I could never remember what my username was because it was like um like our initials and then our school ID and then the rest of our last name or something like that. And I'm like, this is too much. <laughs> and we weren't allowed to change it. They also at Ogeechee Tech, they use Folio. Not Folio. They use Blackboard instead of Folio. Huh. Which is weird. Yeah. We use Blackboard like, at SCAD, too. It's like there was a, a professor that I had that refused to use Folio because she used a different thing. Dom knows what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> she would, like, post her homework to a separate website. She's like, I don't like Folio. It's it's not... Like, I had a professor that did the yeah. same thing. She was like, it's not, like, user-friendly, and I used this when I worked at this other school, and my friend, like, is in charge of updating the code or something like that. Like, she was giving us this whole spiel about it, and I was like, I just want to access my homework. <laughs> my astronomy teacher had his own website, and he would just upload all of our homework to his website, and then we had to email it to him. Oh That's extremely extra. Shay. It was. Shay. Shay. And I can't remember what his... um his email was but he he did a video with uh will smith one time (laughs) what (laughs) it was crazy that's so like shout out to james higdon i can say his name because i wanted to (laughs) i guess i mean valid reason why does she just like go limp she <laughs> she really does just go limp. Like your hand goes towards her and she's like, I'm about to get pet, and then she's like, I'm just gonna freeze. <laughs> oh, there she is. I tried to hold her up to the microphone earlier so that people could hear her just breathing. <laughs> Give us some good breathing. <laughs> oh, I didn't like that sound. No more microphone time for you. I'm upset with that. I'm upset, spaghetti. Don't look at me like that. Disinvited. Di- disinvited? I said that to Dominic, and I said that to, who was it? 
disintegrate. Also, I don't, I don't know if Dom knows what you're talking about. When you were gonna like make that weird ass noise into the microphone, and Lindsay was like, "I will shit on you." I said, "Disinvited" at the same time. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's probably why I just remember you saying "disinvited" because Lindsay was just threatening to shit on him. <laughs> that was his primary focus at the moment was being <laughs> shat on. I don't. I don't. Or avoiding him. being shat on. Yeah. I won't shit on anybody today. Oh, hopefully, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so you're saying? But I got it fucking chance. locked and loaded. If anybody's ready to go. <laughs> my, my mom said I have to go home. <laughs> Mom, come pick me up, please. <laughs> They're drinking white claws. <laughs> Somebody made a tweet that said that. <laughs> oh my god! I've never had white claw. Or is like either. is like a singular one called white claws, or is it like it's it's just white claw? Okay, I've I've never had one. What what's it like? Is it like the it's new just sparkling one? No. <laughs> Not Nothing will like ever Four replace Loco. a Four loco. Wait, so White Claw is just like alcoholic sparkling water? Yeah. Did you know that there's alcoholic regular water? I did. I've I, had it. Is it good? It tastes like water. But like just can, plain water or is it get flavored? flavored. Oh, okay. Yeah, like you know how they made like the Dasani flavors? It's like that. That of, makes me really uncomfortable. I mean, it's good. You feel like you're being healthy and hydrating and then you go to stand up. <laughs> This chair is also bothering me. My chair doesn't do you that. You could sit really high on this stool. Listen, you could be, be looking the, down on this. You feel like the wiener dog from that '70s show, where he's on the counter and Red just goes, "Why is he on the? Why is the dog on the counter?" And Kitty's just like, "He likes to feel tall. <laughs> he likes to feel tall." <laughs> oh my god, that's what like at work. Because I work with Jordan, who's like six foot six. And so whenever any of us get on like the step stool, we always look at either him or his brother and go, is this how you feel? Oh my God. <laughs> We're doing Ed Kemper today, the co-ed killer. Have you heard uh, of him? Vaguely. Vaguely? Yeah. It's wild. It's a time. I, I like, the only thing I've heard about him is that he's a murderer. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. Well, that's why we wanted to do this whole series was because a lot of people have heard of these famous people, but didn't know what they any, did. Yeah. So get ready. Well, I'm honored. You're honored. I'm honored to be edumacated should... today. Edumacated. <laughs> <laughs> Which one of you just snorted into the microphone? Lena. Lena. Probably me. <laughs> Sometimes it just happens. <laughs> Ed Kemper, well, Edmund Kemper III was born on December 18th, 1948 in Burbank, California, and he was the middle child of Edmund Kemper Jr. and Carnell Kemper, no, Clarnell Kemper. After his parents divorced in 1957, he lived with his mother and two sisters in Montana, and he had a very difficult relationship with his mom. She was an alcoholic, and she was extremely critical of him. She would constantly just lock him in the basement for fear that he was going to molest his sisters. Yeah. Well, that's wild. Yeah. When he was 10 years old, that started. Yeah. So that's a lot. <laughs> and he 
had a dark fantasy, sometimes dreaming about killing his mom. He cut off the heads of his sister's dolls and even coerced the girls into playing gas chamber, where he'd have them blindfold him and lead him to a chair where he pretended to writhe in agony while he, quote, died. So I guess he was just practicing for the future? He's, he didn't die by gas chamber. He's alive. Yeah. Why? Because the, um, the death sentence was suspended when he was tried in the whole, in the whole country. It was suspended. So he didn't, he got sentenced to life. He first started killing family cats, and at 10, he buried one of them alive. And the second, he was 13, and he slaughtered it with a knife. He went to live with his father for a little while, but the stepmom didn't like him, so they sent him back to his mother. And then he got sent to his father's parents, so his paternal grandparents, to live, in, to live with in California. I guess the stepmom was just like, dang, this kid's messed up. I don't want him in my house. (laughs) Yeah. So, he really hated his grand, well, not his grandparents, but living with them. And he had started learning about firearms before moving in with them, but his grandparents took away his rifle after he shot several birds and small animals just because. Oh. Yeah. And they had a lot. How old was he at this point? He was, I think, 15, 16, around that age. Hmm. 15, because that's the age for for this. But on August 27th, 1964, he finally turned his rage onto his grandparents, and he shot his grandmother in the kitchen after they got in an argument while she was writing her children's book. And then... When his grandfather got home, he went outside and shot him. And when he confessed to all of, like, when he was talking about it, he said that it was so his grandfather wouldn't have to see his dead grandmother. Because logic. <laughs> well, I mean, at that point, he's a murderer. So oh, yeah. Like, that, that brain's messed up. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, after he called his mom, who told him to call the police and tell them what happened, and he told... He told the police that he shot his grandmother just to see what it would feel like to kill someone. So I guess he liked it? Oh, yeah. E- evidently. Yeah. yeah, he did like it. <laughs> like, And he's like, ooh, found my new hobby. <laughs> yeah. He was handed over from the police to the California Youth Authority, and he underwent a variety of tests, which determined that he had a very high IQ. But he also suffered from paranoid schizophrenia. He was eventually sent to the Adis- how do you say it? Adescadero? Adescadero. Adescadero State Hospital. Which and it's spelled that? crazy too. It's, it's like sort of not even spelled the way that it's pronounced. Yeah, I couldn't remember for sure. It's A T A S C A D E R O. I feel like there's more letters than there needs to be. Kinda like French. Oh, yeah. That was a maximum security facility for mentally ill convicts. In, and while he was there, he befriended one of the psychologists who would allow him to sit in on other patients, basically sessions. And so he learned... Does confidentiality not mean anything? 
Well, he would be the one taking the notes and stuff. Yeah. So he learned how to act like a normal person and learned to see, like, what they were looking for and basically what not to do. And then in 1969, he was released at the age of 21. And despite his prison doctor's recommendation that he not live with his mother because of her past abuse and his issues involving her, he moved in with her in Santa, in Santa Cruz, California, where she had moved after ending her third marriage to take a job at UCLA. So they were like, hey, don't move in with your mom. And he was like, shut up, I do what I want. Pretty Basically, much. Basically, yeah. Huh. And while there... He attended community college for, for a little while and worked multiple jobs, eventually working at the Department of Transportation in 1971. The good old DOT. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he applied to become a state trooper, but was rejected because of how big he was. He was 6'9 and 300 pounds. 6'9? Yeah. Oh my both of I his, know. Both of he his was parents a, were huge, too. He was a 13-pound baby. Yeah, his mom, I think his mom was like six feet tall as well. She was large and so was his dad. Large and in charge. Clarnell, that sounds like a large lady name. (laughs) Like not just like a tall, like... Like like an Amazonian woman. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Moving on. So he got rejected because he's too tall and... Yes, he did hang out at the bar for police officers. I can't remember what it was called. It had a really Uh, funny name. It had, like, a pun name. Yeah. Those are the best names. Also, he was able to get his, like, history, his juvenile criminal history redacted from when they do background checks and stuff. So that's why he wasn't rejected from being a trooper, based on that. But it wasn't even, like... Oh, I just thought that they were like, you can murder people, but you can't can't be be tall. I'm trying to find out. Listen, I can excuse murder, but I draw the line at being (laughs) over six foot. (laughs) It was called the jury room, which is ironic because usually cops hate having to go to court. Maybe it was like, here, we'll have a place called the jury room where you can get trashed so that when you hear that you're going to talk to the jury, you don't feel quite so, so bad. Maybe. But... One one officer gave him a training school badge and handcuffs, and another let him borrow a gun to make him feel better about being rejected from the state troopers. In the same year, he began working for the highway department. He was hit by a car while on his motorcycle. His arm was extremely injured, and he received $15,000 in the settlement, which he used to get a new car. So, he noticed that a, lo- a large number of women were hitchhiking in this area. So, in the new car, he began storing tools that he might need to fulfill his murderous desires, including a knife, gun, and handcuffs. Huh. Were these the same handcuffs that, like, the cop gave him? I'm really not completely sure. Probably. Probably, yeah. Because, I mean, like, where else do you get handcuffs? I know, right? I mean, like, you can buy them on Amazon now. <laughs> Oh, yeah, they didn't have... They had the Sears and Roebuck catalog back then. 
My parents tell me about the Sears and Roebuck catalog all the time. I'm sure there were some spicy places to get handcuffs yeah, even back that's what then. I was thinking. Well, I was, like, I was talking to a police officer, and, like, they... I worked at a shooting range. Oh. Yeah. And so we had, like, campus I thought you, like, just got pulled over and then started casual <laughs> conversation. Is that oh, where do you, you buy your tickets? handcuffs? <laughs> where do you buy your... Wow, just, they're so shiny. Just out of curiosity, I'm not going to kidnap anyone i'm not gonna go kidnap a hitchhiker and chain them up anywhere like no it's for citizens arrests only (laughs) taylor well no it was just like one officer had these like cool ones that were like black with like like silver accents on them and i was like why do you have such fancy handcuffs he's like oh i bought them on amazon (laughs) i was like oh okay please tell me it was charlie it was not oh my god (laughs) handcuffs not provided when you're a police officer that would be very charlie Well, well they give you because I asked him why he had different ones, and he still has, like, the ones that, like, the department gives you, but, like... Oh, he just wanted his own special he, he ones? He wanted nice ones. <laughs> um, so, at first, Kemper would just pick up female hitchhikers and let them go. However, he offered two Fresno State students, Marianne Pesky and Anita Luchessa, rides and they never made it to where they were going they were reported missing soon after but a lot of police officers didn't take it very seriously at the time because a lot of people were hitchhiking and they'd disappear for two weeks and then just show up so on august 15th they were finally found but it was because a female head was discovered in the woods near santa cruz and it was identified as pesky's but Anita Luchessa's remains were never found. Kemper explained after he turned himself in a long time after this that he stabbed and strangled Pesky before stabbing Luchessa, so he murdered Pesky first, and then while he was doing that, Luchessa was in the trunk of his car, and when he went to go get her, she was like, where's my friend? I want to see my friend. And so he said that he would take her to the other girl. And when she got out of the trunk, he killed her. And I believe it was Luchessa. Yes. She was wearing overalls and he described when he tried to stab her, it like bounced off at first because the overalls were so thick. And so he had to stab her like super hard to get it in, which is crazy so i guess this is a psa to just start wearing overalls more often i guess so and he always overalls they're the new kevlar yeah (laughs) and he always for every one of his murders said that he didn't stab them in like the chest area because the breasts were just too beautiful to ruin how sweet just kidding also one thing about him yeah One thing about him is if hitchhikers got in his car and they started talking about the murders, like this is later on, obviously, but if they started talking about them, he'd get really uncomfortable and would just deliver them to where they were going. <laughs> so if you ever hitchhike and get picked up, start talking like, about whatever yeah. murders in the news. Or if you're if you're Stage at a bar so and bad. you meet a man, just start talking about murder and maybe they'll get scared and won't murder you. <laughs> Stage fright so bad that you can't murder someone when they're talking about your murders. Um, but after the murders, he brought the bodies back to his apartment and removed their heads and hands and then reportedly engaged in sexual activity with their corpses. 
I just want to know why he removed the heads and hands. Like, what was the, the reason? I think we'll find out. Are we about to find out? Yeah. Oh, geez. Um, Never mind, I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Later that year, on September 14th, 1972, Kimber picked up 15-year-old Aiko Ku, who was a hitchhiker, who decided to hitchhike rather than to wait for the bus to her dance class. And she was also stabbed multiple times and decapitated and had her hands cut off. And then in January 1973, Kemper continued to act on his impulses, picking up hitchhikers, including Cindy Shaw, who he shot and killed. And then while his mother was out, he went to her home and hid Shaw's body up in his room. So this is four murders now? Yes. The first two girls? Well, technically six, but... Because of his grandparents. Oh, yeah. But the yeah. Yeah. the hitchhikers. The fourth of his co ed killings. Okay. Um and he buried her head in his mother's backyard. In one instance he told and all all the information for these, they only have Kemper's testimony, really. Because and he there weren't constantly any other, like, changes or anything. Yeah. And they, he constantly changes it up. And w- in one interview, he said that he buried it outside his room or in the backyard because it made him feel like he was in a relationship and was close to her. Oh and then another gosh. one because his mother had always said that she wanted someone looking up to her. Yikes. So, he, on February 5th, 1973 the university had told all of their students especially they had told all the female students only take the school transportation only take the transportation if it has a school sticker on it yeah oh did he put a school sticker on his car he picked his mom up from work every day and had access to everywhere on university campus because he had the all-access sticker yeah so he drove to the university and offered a ride to Rosalind Thorpe and Alice Liu. And shortly after picking them up, he shot them and then drove them past the campus security gates and with them in his car. And he told the guy at the gate that they were just drunk and he was driving them home. Yeah. And when he got home, he decapitated them, dismembered them, and removed the bullets from their heads and disposed of their parts in different locations and in march of that year some of thorpe's and lee's remains were discovered by hikers near highway one in san mateo county so that's six of the co-eds yes i'm keeping like a a yeah a tally (laughs) yeah and there were other serial killers in the area like john lindley frazier and herbert mullins who were also perpetrating their own crimes in the area. And he actually, I I believe he was in the mental hospital with Mullins at one point, like later on, and they were talking, he could not stand Herbert Mullins (laughs) because he believed that he was encroaching on Kemper's turf. Oh my God. He's a piece of work. How crazy you gotta be to be like, dude, you gotta stop committing crime because this is where I murder. It's a serial killer turf war. That's crazy. 
Um, this is my murder grounds. Yeah. <laughs> and it's... I meant to say it earlier, but all most of the women that he killed, long blonde hair, middle part, just like his mom. And it always happened after an argument with his mother. Ooh. Yeah. And in April 1973, he committed his last two murders. On Good Friday, he went to his mother's home where they got into an argument. He attacked her in his while she was sleeping first hitting her head in the ham in the head with a hammer and then cutting her throat he then decapitated her and cut off her hands but then also removed her larynx and put it down the garbage disposal and when he cut her throat he told the police that he knew what it meant knew what cutting them ear to ear meant now and like the smile or whatever uh-huh. yeah And then, after hiding his mother's body parts, he was trying to think of anyone who would miss his mom, so he called her friend Sally and invited her over. He strangled her shortly after she arrived and hid her body in the closet. He fled the next day, and on April 23rd, called the Santa Cruz Police Department to confess his crimes, and at first they didn't even believe him. Because they all knew him from the bar, and he put on this facade of this nice young man. Well, because he learned how to pretend to be normal when he was at the juvenile, like... Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And he would actually do practice runs to do on the hitchhikers, like I said, but he would actually practice what he was going to say to them, how he was going to kill him. He actually had this one thing that he would do where he would say, oh, your door is open, and reach over to close it and stick a chapstick between the door handle when he pulled it to so they wouldn't be able to open it and then fix it. Yeah. And also with his, I think, third victim, yes, with Iko, he actually, he was doing that, and he got out of the car for something, I think to go, I can't remember exactly what it was, but he got out of the car to do something, left his gun in there, accidentally locked himself out, and she let him back in. Yeah. People in the 60s and 70s were so dumb. Yeah. Like, what? I'm just so... Blown away. I know. Yeah. (laughs) So, he turned himself in, and he was charged with eight counts of first-degree murder, mm-hmm. and he went on trial in October of 1973 and was found guilty of all the charges in early November. And when asked by the judge what he thought his punishment should be, Kemper asked to be tortured to death. Why? What? He was a, like, sadist, masochist, whatever the hell. <laughs> Let me go out living my kinky life. Yeah. And so he Don's instead... looking at me. <laughs> you know. <laughs> instead he received eight concurrent life sentences. So twenty five years, eight okay. of them. I think I got confused by the eight. Yeah. I think I thought it was eight years. So he was like 
I want to be tortured to death. And they were like, how about no? Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, man. Can you yeah. imagine having to be the person who comes into work one day and they're like, you have to torture somebody until they die today. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just start throwing hands. <laughs> um, but currently he's at Vacaville, the California medical facility. Also, he, when they traced back the gun that he shot the two before his mother, they went back and they were looking through all the records of basically everyone at this point, because also this was the time where to have a gun license, it had to be renewed every so often, and the police would go looking through files to see who needed to update theirs. And so the police were going through Kemper's files, and they found that Kemper owned the same gun, and it had like it, he used the same bullets and everything, and that his file had been redacted, and someone used their like sleuthing skills to find out what had been redacted. And so they were like, uh, maybe you should go get this gun from him. Yeah. And When they found out that he had killed his grandparents. Yeah. And they sent, they all drew straws and the rookie got the short straw to go ask him for his gun. And so he had to go and be like, hey man, n- nice nice work. Can, can I have your gun? And he said that that cop actually said that he went to... Kemper's house, because at the time he was with his mom, like, living with his mom. Yeah. <laughs> Even though he was told not to. No, this was a little bit later than that, but, I mean, he still shouldn't have been. Yeah. But... Well, because you said that every time he... I'm sorry, I'm... I'm ex- yeah, it was every time he got into, into an argument. He would go kill somebody. Yeah. Um. But the rookie went to the house. Yeah, and he found Kemper in his car, and so he went to say hi and everything, and he said that when Kemper stood up, he just kept, like, standing up and standing up <laughs> and standing up. He was like, and then the biggest man I've ever seen got out of that car. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> apparently this guy was, like, probably 18 years old, not prepared to deal with yeah. Edmund Kemper. Not prepared to deal with a giant of a man. No. <laughs> also, what woman... Gets into a car with a six foot nine. You said like three hundred pound man. Yeah, uh, but he. Put I don't on... trust like that. <laughs> yeah, he put on his like innocent big doof face. Basically, he was known as Bumblebutt <laughs> because he would purposely oh my be God. like a big doof, so that he would just be like. And any time something bad happened, they'd be like, oh, not Bumblebutt. He can't do that. <laughs> Maybe that's why he went on, like, a murdering Probably. Scene. No, he... Because his nickname he, was Bumblebutt? He made that nickname for himself. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so not cool to come up with your own nickname. <laughs> so not, but it stuck for some reason. Jeez. <laughs> also, uh... <clears throat> The last woman that he killed, that was his mom's friend, he said that he had invited her over to go on a date with him. And that's why she had come over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So that was, so, I feel like that adds to the effect of, like, how obsessed he was with his mom. Yeah. To, like, want to go on a date with her best friend. Yeah, or, most definitely. Or at least be able to, like, I don't know, convince a woman that he wanted to date her. Yeah. But, like, he he had to, like, act for that. Yeah. He also said that he hit, he picked up around 150 hitchhikers and when he felt the homicidal sexual urges, he called them little zapples. Little zapples? <laughs> I know. Mm, I don't and like it. Every time I hear something new about this man, I'm like, how is this a real person? I have, listen to this. When he first got out of the youth facility be, to make sure his crimes had been redacted he had to keep going back for psychiatric evaluation to make sure that he was still stable normal yeah and so one time he had gone back with the severed head in his car still he said Mm -hmm. so he was like let me just go pop over to my uh psychologist real quick yes yeah with a severed head in my trunk yeah no big deal there's not really a lot explaining why he had sex with his victims' heads. I think it's because he he actually did have an incestuous relationship with his older sister. That's why he was kept in the basement. Because his mom found them. I don't think... I, I couldn't find anywhere where he'd actually found them, but I wouldn't put that past him. Um, he, I know that he was diagnosed with, at 21 before being released from the hospital the first time, he was diagnosed with personality trait disturbance, passive aggressive type. Which means watch the fuck out for this person, basically. And... He was also diagnosed as obviously a sexual predator, but also a necrophile. Ooh. But obviously, because well, yeah. I mean, he. But I know it's just like hearing it. He also, but he said that it hasn't actually been proved that he did have sex with his victims' bodies. Like I, like I said before, it's all from his uh, statements to the police. He recounted, recanted those statements in the 80s. And he said that he didn't understand why he was killing. He just had a desire to act out his fantasies. But he said that he said those things along with having sex with the corpses so that he could get the insanity plea. Yeah, which is still, the phrasing that he used is still used today. Not guilty by insanity, like, um, what is it that they say? Uh, when Like when they plead insanity? Yeah, it's they like... They just, I think they just say not guilty by reasons of insanity. No, there's something specific that they said... Yeah, that'll hold up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, by reason of insanity or, like, mental defect or something. 
insanity by by reason of mental defect is the gist of it, but the exact phrasing that he used is still used today. It's a specific thing that they say. I've heard it on SVU a million different times, but he also had once admitted about wanting to kiss one of his teachers, but having to kill her first was not from a murder fantasy, but from a reflection on his adolescent insecurity. He also said that he thought no one would kiss him unless they were dead. Maybe someone, when he asked them out, they told him that. I wouldn't, I'll go out with you over my dead body. Yeah. He was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder, so psychopathy, and narcissism, social anxiety, and as an organized lust killer, and... An organized lust killer? Yep. And then the paranoid schizophrenia. And there's significant evidence from the fields of developmental psychology, neurobiology, and animal epigenic epigenetic studies that neglect parental inconsistency and a lack of love can lead to long-term mental health problems as well as to reduce overall potential and happiness because he underwent a variety of tests like I said earlier and was found to have a very very high IQ and his mother also suffered from borderline personality disorder, which was a big reason for her going into rages and abusing her son. Hmm. So he, w- the odds were kind of stacked against him from the beginning. Cool motive. Still murder. <laughs> oh, yeah. They all have mommy issues. That's, like, been a pretty consistent theme in this series. Yeah. And he also had daddy issues as well because yeah. his anger began when... He was separated from his father, which he blames on his mom. He blames it solely on his mom. Imagined things such as killing every single person in his town, as well as sexual relationships with corpse, corpses, which is, this is when he's still young. So, I don't, like I said, it's never fully explained why he has those fantasies, There's really not a lot that goes into it other than explaining his diagnoses with the information that is already there. So, but yeah, he's mostly just a psychopath. Well, I guess the reason I thought there was more is because I read a book about him and watched a documentary. Like, I looked at some of the references that they had for the book. So, I guess maybe they're just not as easy to find on the internet because they're probably, like, scholarly Yeah. Um, I mostly stuff just that's harder to find. listen to podcasts about it. I did listen to one podcast that's called Mysteries, Histories, and Conspiracies. I like their name. I thought it was cute. That is cute. <laughs> but the book that I read, because I had heard about this book before, like, I think when we were doing Ted Bundy, but I wanted to save it for this guy. Mm-hmm. So, this guy, Dave McGowan, wrote this book called Program to Kill, which I heard about on Tinfoil Hat. So, (laughs) um, they'd been talking about how there's a theory. Now, this one is definitely a stretch, I think, this conspiracy theory. 
but it's kind of, it's really cool, so that's why I wanted to include it. So they had talked about how there's a conspiracy theory that the government targets individuals to set them up to be certain things when they're older. Like, there's sort of a conspiracy theory about the Unabomber that they set him up because they knew he was so smart Mm -hmm. to be, like, a really smart individual, but that obviously didn't go well. When he was two... Kemper's father had worked on the U.S. atomic bomb testing program briefly. Okay, so that's why it had really pissed him off when his mom called his engineering job menial because it was, like, actually a government um, thing. He just couldn't talk about it that much. So, uh, 